Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the MLEPC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. My friends, we'll read together from the Word of God as found in Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. <laughs> Do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Our second scripture passage is from the same book, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says to the crowd, the Sermon on the Mount, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. My question for you this morning is, how do you take care of you? What do you do for you? Some people might answer, well, I have this regimen of moisturizing my face in the morning. Other people might say, at the end of the day, I am beat, and I just go sit on the end of the couch and I read. I get lost in a book for a while. Other people might say, I care for me by going to the gym two or three times a week, and I like to lift. I go on the treadmill and get my heart rate up. Other people might say, at the end of my street, there's a park with trees. I just like to go for a walk, and it kind of, you know, I regain my equilibrium. Those are all good answers. My second question is this. How do you, saints, care for your soul? How do you care for your soul? 
That might be a little harder to answer. Uh, There are people, it's very possible that you could be physically as fit as a fiddle and absolutely killing it at work and just falling apart inside. How do you care for your soul? It's possible to be born anew into God's kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ and and at some point come to a place where you feel disconnected from God. And you almost feel like, you know, your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Lord, are you, are you there? Do you, are you hearing me? I don't feel connected with you. Maybe you've lost your, the joy of your salvation. Maybe you've lost the adventure of faith, and all that's left is the dry husk of you know, ru- the routine of outward religious conformity. And there's something missing, and you know it. How do you get that back? This week, we're starting a a sermon series. For the next several weeks, we'll be talking about soul care. How do you anchor yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you, as as King David put it in in the wonderful Psalm 23, how how is it that you position yourself to receive what God would give you and and he restores your soul? That's what we'll, we'll be starting this week. God's people over the centuries have, at least in part, answered that question through a series of what we now call spiritual practices. Uh, We've discovered and utilized certain things that kind of help God's people to get back on track and reconnect with God. We get some clue about this from the the first scripture passage we read read this morning. Remember the scene there at the Jordan River, and uh, Jesus goes and asks to be baptized. Now, John at this point was, Jesus was just about ready to launch his his earthly ministry of three years. He was at the start of his earthly ministry. John was already in full swing. Everywhere John went, there were large crowds gathered. They recognized they were missing something. They they knew that God was apart from them, that they had wandered, they, they wanted to come back. And John was offering them the opportunity of repentance and and baptism. And there's a large crowd there, and Jesus appears, and he says to John that he wants to be baptized. And John, knowing who Jesus is, nobody else there quite knows who's standing there, John says, whoa, wait a minute. Now, you should be baptizing me. Now, that, this isn't, that doesn't feel right to me. And John says, nevertheless, so that all righteousness may be, be fulfilled, Jesus says, let's do this. And so John baptizes him. And you'd think Jesus coming out of the water sees probably hundreds of people there gathered on the shores Oh, by the way, this is, I, I took this picture in Jericho, looking over the Jordan River Valley to, to the right, probably a little, frankly, off the edge of the picture, but you, you, get, the, you get the environs there, is, is where uh, John would have baptized Jesus. So this is where this took place. And John uh, and, and Jesus, seeing the throng of people, you'd think the first thing, he wants to launch his ministry, he's got an audience, he should preach a sermon. No. No, no, no. Jesus walks through Jericho, and if, if you were to pivot 180 degrees, this is what you would see. Off in the distance, this is what we now call the Mount of Temptation. This is where Jesus went. You see, there's nobody there. You can't preach a sermon there. There's nothing there. There's nothing growing there. It's the most, one of the most desolate places you'll find in the Middle East. Nothing can grow there. Nothing is alive there. No people are there. That's where Jesus goes for 40 days, and he fasts. He stays there in solitude. 
he is, he's getting on the father's wavelength. He's connecting with his father and he is anchoring himself and anchoring his ministry as he launches forth in his three years of earthly ministry, connecting with, with his father. He wants to start off on track. He's getting himself, well, he, he's engaging in these three spiritual practices of solitude, fasting, and prayer. Apparently, Satan is so threatened by the fact that Jesus is availing himself of these means of grace that he is pulling out all the stops to undermine Jesus and derail him right at the start. In fact, he says, uh, you see all these stones, uh, and by the way, you go there today and you'll find that there, there still are quite a few of these stones there. They're, sort of, they're pretty much the size of your hand like this and flat, and they're golden brown, and actually at a distance, they sort of look like, they sort of look like pita bread. Here we are. I, I may or may not have brought one of them back with me and keep it in my office. And here, this, this may or may not be a picture of one of them. And, uh, it, and imagine looking at, you've been fasting for 40 days and you're about ready for an appetizer, right? And, and Satan says, okay, you see all these stones here that look like pita bread. Can you imagine everywhere you look, you're seeing bread. And Satan says, I know who you say you are. If you're really the son of God, all you have to do is say the word and your father would turn one of those into some bread to eat while you're trying to fast. Okay, do you see what's going on here? It's really a titanic clash of wills. And Jesus chooses, nevertheless, not my will, but my father's will. At every turn, Jesus is choose, making that choice. And he is, he is anchoring himself in the father's love and, and the calling that the father is placing on him. So what are these spiritual practices? Jesus here is practicing solitude, um, prayer, and fasting, those three at least. Uh, historically, Bible scholars don't have an exhaustive list. Nowhere in the scripture will you see, you know, there were some disagreements. Some will say eight spiritual practices, sometimes call them spiritual disciplines. Others will say there are at least 13 or 14. Uh, the Bible isn't specific on this, but there are certain practices that you can engage in that often can help you, do, help you in the same way that these practices were important to Jesus as he was starting to launch his three-year earthly ministry. These are things that you don't have to do, but these are things that you get to do. These are not things that God requires of you, but you may find them useful tools in your journey in following Jesus, okay? Let's understand that you will not find, I'm gonna say, you will not find power in these actions themselves, okay? There is no merit in fasting. God won't love you any more if you fast than he already loves you now. Uh, they won't make you holy. They won't, by themselves. They won't change you from the inside out by themselves. But they may be useful tools. The power really is in creating a space for you to have an encounter with the living God. That's where, the, that's where you will find power. It's your interaction with God and clearing, making space for that to happen. And uh, inviting him uh, inviting him to be Lord, which he, which he really is. And we find in subtle ways that we start living our life and we start living as if we are our own Lord. It starts in submission, it starts in humility, and it starts with an emptying. And I guess I ought to explain that. 
Um, I, was, I was meeting two weeks ago with a young man that I've been mentoring. He's, he's in college, very proud of him. He's an outstanding young man who is sinking his roots deep in Jesus right now. Uh, he's on a wonderful journey. Every so often we get together and I kind of check in on him and he, he tells me, about, he's a reader. Not everybody is, is a reader. You know? he, so he reads stuff and then he like fires questions at me about what he's just been reading or what he's, or he tells me a thing, about things he's learning and he's excited about. And he says, Bob, what is, what is this... Um, what is this thing about being filled in the spirit? And here we are, we're, we're at Eaton Park, you know, having breakfast, and I have, have a glass of lemonade here. And I said, suppose I, no, not, it was iced tea. If I, suppose I had some, I wanted some iced tea, but my glass was filled with dirty water. For my glass to be filled with iced tea, what would I have to do? Well, first you'd have to empty out what's already filling it up, clean it out, and then ask, ask for a filling of iced tea often are being filled with the things of God begins with our emptying ourselves of what's already here, okay? How do you do that? Uh, properly practiced, spiritual practices can be very helpful in that emptying. If, for example, you're, uh, you find that one of your biggest obstacles to connecting God is you become really self-absorbed. Do you, you know any self-absorbed people? You know what I'm talking about? They're all filled with themselves. There's no room for God to come in and rule and reign in their lives. They have to have an emptying. They have to at some point start to say no to themselves. How do you start saying no to yourself? One of the most, most powerful primal forces of self-renewal is I gotta eat. Right? To, to carve out a certain time and say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devote the time that I, I would have had last evening, or th this coming evening, for, for dinner. Again, you don't have to do this. But as, a, as an act of, of uh, self-emptying and saying no, exerting will over yourself, you might choose to go on a, you know, a, a, a one-meal fast. Perhaps a one-day fast. I've never gone beyond one and a half days. Jesus went 40 days. He's going a whole hog, okay? But you might choose a spiritual discipline that will help you to, um, to live into this emptying and then refilling as you're seeking God for a filling. Uh, or perhaps you might choose silence. I don't know about you, but like, I live in a really noisy world. Uh, you, you can hardly go anywhere where you don't hear your, your TV or the neighbor's TV on or people talking or cars driving by. And that's so much a part of our world, we forget how, dis how distracting that can be. Uh, it's very hard to be hearing, tuning in on all the, the noise from your surroundings and also hear the still, small voice of God. You might choose to go someplace self-imposed time of block out some time and just have a time of silence. Sometimes in the middle of the day, I sneak into, in the middle of the week, I sneak into the sanctuary. Very few people are here. It's often dark. It's very quiet. And, and it's like a refuge for me. Sometimes I'll just sit in, in the pew that you're sitting in. Sometimes I'll just kind of slowly walk around. I just want to, Lord, I just want to hear you. Can you get that, that noise, that ringing out of my ears? And I find it incredibly helpful in, in kind of getting me settled and focused and tuning in on God's wavelength as I pray and as I work. You may choose a spiritual practice that will kind of get you on track. These can be helpful tools for you. Um, what, 
uh, Tozer, A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors, he talks about, he, he did a study of all the great saints, the, 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 the great followers of Christ in the scriptures, the Old Testament saints, uh, and the great people of, of more modern times who have devoted their lives to, to knowing, loving, and serving Jesus. And he's found that they are a very diverse lot. There are tall people, short people. There are people from North America, people from, from Africa. There, there are people, there are men and women. There are people who, who have this gift and people who have that gift. He says, but there's one thing he found that they all had in common. He said they have uncommon spiritual receptivity. They had an inclination constantly to be going before God saying, whatever you have for me, I want it. Will I want to receive whatever you have for me, whatever your mission for me is, whatever your will is for me. To have the heart of Jesus that would say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's spiritual receptivity. Often, these practices that you'll be hearing about in the next, next several summers or Sundays will be very helpful in anchoring you in your will, in God's will. And about 30-some years ago, I don't even remember exactly when it was, but it was around that era when, when Bernie Johnson, many of you will rem remember, was our pastor. Bernie announced from the front of the sanctuary uh, and, and invited any of us to join us, to, to join him, that he was going to have, he was going to lead a silent retreat somewhere, a retreat center up in the North Hills. Now, please understand, kind of, some of you know the way I'm wired. I'm, co I'm in constant motion. I actually like noise. I like, you know, I like to be in noise. I like to make noise. Uh, I, I, I couldn't imagine anything that I would like less than going on the silent retreat. I had never gone on one, but I thought that's probably a really good thing for a lot of people. But for me, I probably would rather saw my arm off with a butter knife, you know, than go on this silent retreat. And uh, so uh, we went home and of course Kim said, you know what, I think I'd really like to go on that silent retreat. So of course I said, Okay, let's do that. How do we register for that? Because I wanted to be as supportive of whatever Kim thought would be helpful in her, her life in Christ. And I, I, I may not have had the best attitude as we drove into the retreat center. And uh, Bernie had us, we were sitting down for dinner on, on the Friday night, and he kind of, as we were ready to eat, he kind of laid out the ground rules for, for our weekend. He says, uh, the, the whole concept, the whole idea is for us to spend some time developing a dialogue, one-on-one -on -one dialogue with God. Have you ever done that? He says, in, in, in doing that, understand that how rude, if you're talking to somebody that you really love and care about, to turn to the, to the side and say, oh, and you, you know, how about them pirates? You know, you wouldn't interrupt your dialogue with, with God by doing that. So we're going to have a silent retreat where we're, we're developing, we're investing in our ability to connect with God one-on-one. -on -one. And the other people were, were, are around us, but we're really not going to be, it's not about talking to each other. So we had dinner and we played some, a little bit of quiet music in the background, just loud enough so that we couldn't hear each other chewing. And said that the rules are you can go wherever you want, you can walk around or you can stay someplace, you can walk outside, walk around the grounds, uh, and you'll probably pass each other in the hallway. And as you do that, by all means, be polite and acknowledge the other person's presence, but don't interrupt your conversation with God by talking to other people. Oh, and you can bring a Bible to read, but don't bring anything else to read because you want to hear what God has to say to you. You can be anywhere 
You don't have to be here to hear what the world has to say to you or, or what the book author is saying to you or what the newspaper is saying to you. So here, we're only going to read the Bible. Okay. And the whole weekend was like that. And uh, it was a very different experience for me. And I, had, I began realizing, you know what, I don't think before that retreat I had ever spent more than 10 minutes, a, a segment of 10 minutes praying. And uh, here I was, I, I had a whole weekend. And I, I don't know that I have that much to say, you know. And uh, I found, to my embarrassment, I kept nodding off. I, I fell asleep. I took several naps. Didn't mean to. I just conked out, you know. I was sort of like, when I was growing up, I used to say, half-jokingly, that my father had three sons so that he would never have to mow a lawn for 20 years. And, uh, uh, and, and our, our mower was an old-fashioned, you know, hand-choke manual choke uh, lawnmower, which had to get just the right amount, the right mix of, of fuel and oxygen, or else it would sputter and shut down. And I realized that was what I was doing. I was, it, it wasn't necessarily that I was sleeping, it was that I, or that I you know, was, was tired. It was just that I, I couldn't sit still because I was just always running on adrenaline. And I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. And I just kind of, I didn't have the right mix. I didn't, I had a lot of fuel and not enough oxygen. And I just kind of shut down. At the end, we were debriefing and Bernie was asking one by one, so how, what was your experience like this week? And I said, obviously, I'm really bad at this. And I said, I just kept taking naps. And he said, well, you, you, that, was that was okay. You, you probably really needed that. And I thought, no, he's just being kind. I'm really bad at this, okay? But I came out of that, that retreat with an understanding of, well, an understanding about myself. I had been for some time realizing, I was at a place where I, I really needed the grace of God at work in my life, and I didn't know how to receive it. I needed God to teach me some things, to go where I thought God wanted me to go, and I, and I wasn't getting those things. And I, I, what came to my mind was, remember the, the night where Jesus was betrayed and he was arrested? And, and, and Jesus knew what was coming. The disciples didn't know. And Jesus goes off and he says to the disciples, pray for me. And he goes off to pray by himself. And he comes back and all the disciples are snoozing. You know? And he said, probably not in judgment, I imagine, but probably just in disappointment. Can you not pray for a single hour for me when I ask you to in my time of need? And I realized that would have been me. He would have said that to me. I can't, you know, I, I'd, I'd be drifting off in no time. I had never prayed longer than probably about 10 minutes or so. And here I, I just, I couldn't go for a long, an extended period of time and pray. I couldn't sit still long enough at Jesus' feet for him to teach me what I needed to learn. I realized I needed, I needed to grow. I needed to learn some things. I spent the next three years of my life really for the first time learning how to pray. And it changed my life. I now look back on that retreat and think that was one of the most significant turning points of my life. I learned how to go deep with Jesus. And it was, uh, um, I, I had to realize, you know, I, I needed that experience to realize how shallow I was, quite honestly. And that has made all the difference for me. Uh, we're going to be invited in the weeks ahead to explore these spiritual practices prayer, solitude, etc., so that we can have that kind of experience where God can teach us, grow us, where we learn how to create a space to have an encounter with God that can transform the rest of our lives. I'm going to close with a, 
a quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther uh, was at a, a particular point in his ministry where he was just overloaded. His to-do list was extensive, and there was more stuff that he needed to do than he had time to do it. And he remarked to his disciples, who wrote down the quote, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. To some people, that will sound absolutely crazy. That makes no sense at all. And what kind of strange calculus, Martin, are you using here? If you can't get everything done in 24 hours, if you take three of those hours, those precious hours out to pray, you'll have even less time to do all the stuff that you need to do. But some of you will understand exactly what Martin Luther is saying. Somehow, if, if I can't do everything that needs to be done in 24 hours, I know the power and the love of my God. And if I devote three hours and get on his wavelength, if I invite him to fill me, I'll bet he, that Bob plus God, can do everything God wants me to do. That's what's behind these spiritual practices that we'll be studying the next couple of weeks. Understanding how to appropriate God's grace in the, in the three hours that we block out or, or whatever practice we're doing, how to receive his grace at work in our lives because we need him so much. Let's close with a word of prayer. Teach us to pray. Your disciples 2,000 years ago, Lord, said, Lord, teach us to pray. And you taught them the Lord's Prayer. Lord, we need many things. A lot of us have been kind of stopped where we are right now. And we haven't been growing in grace and in wisdom and in knowledge for, for quite some time. Some of us are filled with things that are not of you. And we need an emptying. Would you gently, uh, and if necessary, sternly, show us the things that are, are blocking our path forward, that are separating us from you. Lord, may we experience what David was talking about when he said, he restoreth my soul. Lord, in the weeks ahead, would you restore our souls? Now we pray together the the prayer, Lord Jesus, that you taught your disciples when they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, let's recite together our confession of faith. It's found in the Apostles' Creed. Please stand. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead and sinned into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of sin, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.